You're listening to the International Family Church Podcast. Our ministry philosophy can be summed up in one statement. It's not about building a great church. It's about building a great people. We do this through our regular weekend services, life groups that meet throughout the week, and by helping people connect to their God-given purpose. When women gather, anything is possible. We're so excited for our New England Women's Convention to return this May from Thursday, May 9th through Friday the 10th. Pastor Verna Del Turco, Reverend Cindy Black, Reverend Barbara Arbo, and Minister Louise Roberts are looking forward to hosting you at this year's Women's Convention. This event's the perfect opportunity for women of every background and age group to gather together to worship Jesus, celebrate one another, and strengthen their walk with God. This year, our guest speaker, Jen Tringale, is an internationally known speaker, author, and strategist on Awakening Destiny. She's known for her integration of purpose, innovation, faith, and spirituality. Her messaging reaches across cultures and vocations to unlock the purpose and potential within individuals, organizations, cities, and nations. We want to see you there, ladies, so save the date for this year's New England Women's Convention and visit newconline.com to register today. Now here's today's message. Are you ready for today's message? Yes. Let's pray and let's believe God together. Father, thank you for this amazing opportunity we have to study your word. It's been so good so far, and we thank you for now opening up our hearts. We don't approach your word today out of familiarity. We would approach your word out of, ah, I've heard this message before, but that we would, we would approach your word with, in faith, expectation, anticipation, that what we're about to hear is life-changing. What we're about to hear is really going to help us. It will really change us. The way we walked in these double doors is going to be very different than the way we walked out these double doors today. So we thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your help. Thank you for helping us to hear something that will affect every person at the sound of my voice. Either things said or even unsaid. The fact that we're in your presence, you can speak to us. You can encourage us. You can give us exactly what each person needs. You can tailor make each service for each person. And we're grateful for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I have the highest of privileges and honors today. I have the opportunity of sharing the greatest story ever told in human history. It's Christ's story. It's his story of death and resurrection. You know, Christ's story is a story of great saga, a saga of of betrayal and failure, of love and restoration, of forgiveness and redemption. What an amazing story it is. You know, the story's too big to tell in one setting. And, and even when you give out little details, there's so much life in this story that even repeated little doses have so much life and wholeness to them that they can transform the human soul. They really can. His story is so big and his story is so full of life that when you intersect with his story, it changes your story. It gives you a brand new story. Millions of people today have a brand new story to tell because they intersected with the story of all stories. I have a new story. Hundreds of you have a new story. And if you haven't started your new story yet, today could be the day that you start your new story. I've entitled today's message, The Cross, Why It Still Matters. I don't know about you, but I'm grateful that the cross still matters today. Even in a post-Christian society when culture has changed and attitudes have changed and we've drifted away from some very important truths in our lives, I'm so grateful today that the cross still matters today. 
Here's what I've learned over my years. I've learned that the best way to appreciate and value resurrection is to first really understand the crucifixion. If you can understand crucifixion, if you can understand Jesus' price that he paid, if you can understand what he the ordeal he went through, it just makes you value and appreciate resurrection all the more. And the fact that there is a spirit of resurrection that lives in you, and we can stir that spirit up every day in our lives. We'll talk more about that in a moment. But let's talk about the cross for just a few minutes. Yes, indeed, Jesus went to the cross, but not before Roman soldiers violently and severely beat him. Here's what the prophet Isaiah said about Jesus in Isaiah 52, 14. It says this, At first, everyone was appalled. He didn't even look human. A ruined face, disfigured past recognition. History tells us, and other translations of these verses tell us, that Jesus was so marred, he didn't even look human. See, he was not the handsome Jesus we see so artistically depicted on the cross with a well-placed loincloth and maybe a few drops of blood falling from his side. That's not the accurate picture at all. The ancient Jewish historian Josephus said he called crucifixion the most wretched of deaths. It's a miracle that Jesus even made it to the cross and he didn't even, that he didn't die on the whipping post when they scourged him. History tells us that the Roman soldiers used a cat of nine tails on him. The Roman soldiers really perfected torture, really perfected scourging. And a cat of nine tails was um, a, a handle about this long, six, eight inches long, leather wrapped. Um, there was 18 to 24 different leather straps of various lengths. Inside, some of those straps were armed with sharp pieces of metal, wire, glass, and jagged pieces of stone. You can imagine as the Roman soldiers stood on each side of Jesus as he was uh, chained to the whipping post and his back was exposed and, and forced to be in an almost kneeling position, not quite a kneeling position. And as Roman soldiers together on each side simultaneously whipped him, um, lashed at him, you can imagine the amount of damage that this occurred. You can imagine the open lacerations, the gapping um, wounds. And I know this isn't easy to talk about, but it's what our Jesus went through. You can imagine the damage that it caused. And the Bible doesn't quite say, doesn't say at all really, how many lashes he received. We assume 39 lashes because the Romans, anytime they would put out a death sentence on someone, they would call it 40 minus 1. Why did they do that? Because they knew in their experience 40 lashes would probably kill you, but 39 wouldn't. They didn't want you dead. They wanted you to live. They wanted you to live. They wanted you to bleed out. They wanted you to suffer. They wanted you to, to experience the torture that they were so famous for. We don't know how many lashes, but you can imagine the damage. Open vertebrae, ribs, intestines, extreme blood loss, body fluid. According to historians, there's no record of ever man ever being scourged 
and then also crucified. A weaker person would have died on that whipping post. But thank God Jesus didn't die there because if he died there, he wouldn't be able to pay the penalty that we needed. He wouldn't be able to pay the penalty for um, the curse of sin, death, and the grave. So thank God he didn't die there because it was prophesied that he would need to die on a tree. Then after they blindfolded him and repeatedly punched him in the face and asked him, where would the punch come from next? Prophesy, who will punch you next? Then as they plucked out parts of his beard and then as they uh, finally slammed a crown of thorns on his head, piercing his skin and scraping his skull. After all that, then they made him carry his own cross. He had to carry it up a hill, and he was in no condition to walk in the first place. So after finally collapsing uh, quite a few times, we don't know how many times, uh, the Bible says that a, a Cyrene man, a man from Cyrene named Simon, came and helped Jesus and took the weight of the cross off him. And Jesus eventually made it to the place of skulls. We stand now at Calvary's Hill, Golgotha. It's a place that's never been darker, more bleak, more desperate in all of Bible history. You know, there's a lot of history from the beginning of the Old Testament, Genesis to Revelation. You can imagine the dark moments. You can imagine the sad times. You can imagine the, the times where, where people cried and grieved and it was difficult to experience and what various people and family and nations went through. But nothing is as dark and as bleak as this moment, not only in human history, but in Bible history. Wow. The Romans were masters at torture. They laid down the cross. They laid Jesus raw back on that cross. They took one arm, stretched it, and put a nail in his hand. Now, it wasn't this part of the hand, because that part of the hand they learned over time that the nail sometimes would break out and would rip off. So they put it in his wrist, because the wrist is where this bone would cause them to hang there longer. And more diabolical than that, that the bone, the, in between these two bones is a nerve called the median bone, nerve. And when the nail pierced the median nerve, it caused the body to go into shock because the pain caused the body to go through this tremendous pain and it would cause shock to take place. And these weren't nails like you use at home. These were nine-inch iron spikes that you would put beams together. They put it in one wrist, and the cross was always longer than the man's reach, his reach, and so they'd have to pull him and oftentimes dislocate shoulders to get the other arm wrist in the right place. None of this was done in the dignity of a private place. No, this was out open in public. It was like taking a bloodied, naked man, and hanging him in the entrance of the Burlington Mall. Then the crowd would come, and they would sneer and mock and swear and shake an angry fist and humiliate him. There, as under the, the, the scorching sun of the Middle, East, Middle Eastern sun, sweating, bleeding out, and because of the pain, he'd be incontinent because of the many hours and often days of their suffering. 
The pain of crucifixion was so horrendous that they needed to invent a new word to describe it. It was the word excruciating, which literally means from the cross. The pain of crucifixion was due to the fact that in this prolonged agonizing death, eventually the person crucified would die of asphyxiation. Asphyxiation. Asphyx- say that word. Asphyxiation. That word, yeah. <laughs> See, the way it was is all they could do was breathe out. But in order to breathe in, you had to push your feet, which his feet were nailed, push yourself up, pull yourself up by the ribs and go, (gasps) and only then could you breathe out. So you can imagine how difficult this was. You'd have to do the same thing in order to speak. And we know that Jesus gave seven statements from the cross. What an ordeal. Jesus' crucifixion was a hideous, grotesque scene. Hundreds of years in advance, Isaiah also said this of, of, that, of this event in Isaiah 53. He was looked down on and passed over a man who suffered, who knew pain firsthand. One look at him and people turned away. We looked down on him, thought he was scum. But the fact is, it was our pains he carried, our disfigurements, all the things wrong with us. We thought he brought it on himself that God was punishing him for his own failures. But it was our sins that did that to him, that ripped and tore and crushed him. Our sins. He took the punishment, and that made us whole. Through his bruises, we got healed. Wow. What an amazing truth today. Throughout history, crucifixion has remained the most horrid form of execution. But please don't think for one moment that those nine-inch iron spikes kept him on that cross, because it's not true. What kept him on that cross was love for you and love for me. That was his destiny. He knew that's why he came. He knew that from the beginning of time that he would become man incarnate, that he would come as a man, that God in his great love would send his one and only son. He didn't have 10 sons. He didn't have 12 sons. He had one son, and he sent that one son for people like you and me. I have one son. I wouldn't give up my one son for you. Let's be honest, would you? Let's be real. I wouldn't do it, but he did. It was the greatest act of love known in human history. They hung him high. They stretched him wide. The ground got nervous and started to shake, and the the sun turned its back, and all hell stood at attention, and demons were trembling, and thousands of angels stood like archers waiting to be dispatched to come to his rescue. But guess what? In six hours of suffering from 9 o'clock in the morning to 3 o'clock in the afternoon, he never called for their help. He endured the cross for you and me. Wow. With all that weight of our sins, past, present, and future on him, the Bible records that right before Jesus died, he made one last statement that would transform mankind and change our lives forever. It's found in the Gospel of John, verse 19, verse 30. Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. 
of all the seven statements that Jesus made on the cross, none are more important and more destiny-altering than these words that he spoke. Wow. These words changed people's future. These words made potential a reality. These words made it possible for you to recover from failure and the worst mistakes of your life. These words made it possible for you to have a second chance and for you to know that he loves you and cares about you. These words are words that, that dreams that seem lost. You could blow off the dust of those dreams and pick them back up again, all because of these words. We need to understand what these words mean today. We do. We do. They're only found in the gospel of John. John was there. All the other disciples ran off to hide behind locked doors, but John was there. John heard these words, and the word translated, it is finished, in the Greek is testalestai. It's an accounting term, which means paid in full. When Jesus uttered these words, he was declaring the debt owed to his father was wiped completely and forever. Now, not that Jesus wiped away any debt that he owed his father. No, rather, Jesus eliminated the debt owed by mankind, yeah. the debt of sin, which was my debt, yeah. which was your debt. And there was no way for us to pay that debt. There's nothing we could do. There was not an amount of money, no doors we could knock on, no walks we could walk for AIDS and breast cancer, as often awesome as all those are, and you should do them. But none of that would have ever, ever paid the debt that only Jesus could pay. Amen. Listen, it is finished. Testalestai means to bring to an end, to complete to accomplish. It signifies a successful end to a particular course of action. It'd be the word we would use when we reached the pinnacle of Mount Everest. It'd be the word perhaps we would use when we handed in our final copy of our dissertation. It'd be the word that perhaps you would use when you paid your last house mortgage payment. It'd be the word you would use when you crossed the finish line of your first Boston Marathon. Maybe perhaps it's even the word Tiger Woods used just because he just won the Masters the first time in 14 years, right? Understand, these words are powerful. These words are, are, are so good because it means more than I just survived. It means I did exactly what I set out to do. But there's more. When Jesus cried out, it is finished, he meant it was finished in the past. It's still finished in the present. And it will remain finished in the future. Oh, yeah. Powerful words. It is finished. Amen. I successfully completed the work I came to do. This happened, and it is still in effect today. Oh, that's good news today. Amen. There's no time limit on this. There's no expiration date on it is finished. Testalestai, then, is the Savior's final cry of victory. When he died, he left no unfinished business behind. When he said it is finished, he was absolutely speaking the truth. He bore 
all of our sin, every kind of sickness and disease known and unknown to mankind, all of our shame, all of our guilt, paying the ultimate price for our total freedom. In fact, Peter describes it this way. In 1 Peter uh, chapter 3, it says, For Christ died for sins once and for all. You know how much good news that is? You know there will never be the need of another Messiah. There will never be the need of another man shedding his blood. Another man dying for some other group of people. It's not necessary. Why? Because he did it once and for all. And he did such a good job and was the perfect person to do it that it was done once and for all. A good man on behalf of sinners in order to lead you to God. Wow. This has always been God's master love plan. Please notice what Jesus didn't say. He didn't say, I'm finished. Did he? No, because that would imply that he died defeated and helpless. No, there was no quit in Jesus. He never tapped out. But don't think for one minute that he wasn't tempted to. People have asked, do you think he was tempted to quit? You bet. But that's what makes it is finished so much more meaningful, even though he wanted to, even though he could have, even though he could have called tens of thousands of angels to come down, down and rescue him and wipe out all the Romans of that day and all the torturers and all the mockers of that day, he didn't. See, a cry of defeat, hardly, hardly. I imagine when I put myself in this story, you know how I like to do this, when I put myself in that story, if it wasn't for the fact that his hands were nailed to a cross, that I believe when he said, it is finished, I could imagine a fist. It is finished! Breaking through the dark clouds of that moment. Can't you see that? That's what this word means. It's not a sign of defeat. It's a cry of victory. It's a cry of fulfillment. Del Turco version is, take that devil. Amen. That's what it means when he said, it is finished. This wasn't a weak statement, man. This was strong and bold. This was something that matters. You know why? Because the reward always goes to the finisher, not to the starter. To be the one who sticks to it until it's done. Amen. The warrior remained. And thank God he did. Thank God he endured. Unfortunately, it's our human tendency to quit too soon. It's our human tendency to what? To stop before we cross the finish line. And we know in battle, the war is at its worst before someone has to surrender. Right? Right there at the finish line, your muscles hurt the worst. Right then when you're about to close on the house, your drama and, and will it work and, and will somebody, where's the money going to be? It's right at the, always at the end when it's the hardest that many of us stop and quit. Thank God when it got so hard, right? And about to breathe his last breath as water filled his lungs and fluid filled his lungs and, and, and fluid gathered around his heart and he could no longer have the strength to pick himself back up and <gasps> take one more breath. He couldn't do it. But at that moment, the warrior endured. At that moment, the warrior didn't quit. Are you close to quitting? Please don't. Are you a discouraged parent? Are you weary in doing good? Are you pessimistic about the future? Are you overwhelmed by the conditions of your relationships? 
Are you struggling forgiving others and especially yourself? Is your day framed with sorrow and disappointment? Is, are your tomorrows turning into nevers? And is your hope a forgotten word? Is hope a forgotten word for you? Remember, listen, the finisher is not the one with no wounds or weariness. Quite the contrary. He, like the warrior, is scarred and bloodied. The fighter, like our master, is pierced and full of pain, but he remains. Which one of us don't get that? Which husband or wife or mother or father or businessman or businesswoman or anyone who works with anybody, anybody with a dream in their heart, anybody that's worked hard, which one of us don't get that? Which entrepreneur who quit and failed and went bankrupt and picked himself back up? And the warrior has some scars, but he picked himself back up again. What parent who stood for their children and stood, stood for the longest time because of illness or rebellion? Or what wife stood believing God for her husband? Or what situation took place because they were in a, a, a hard time and maybe infidelity? Do I forgive him? Do I don't? Which one of us have not been punched in the nose by life? Which one of us hasn't been punched in the gut by life? I've been pastoring this church almost 38 years. I've been punched in the nose by the best of them. I've been punched in the gut like the best of them. I've had situations that, woo, blew my mind, whether in my family, my marriage, in your marriage, your family, in our life as a church body, a family of believers. Amen. I've been punched by the blessed, standing there, bleeding, but guess what? Remaining. I'm still standing. And let me tell you something. If this little Italian can keep standing, so can you. Amen. Amen. So can you. In the midst of the darkest time, man, that divorce hurts. Man, that news blew me away. Man, my heart is broken in a million pieces. I don't know if I can go on. I don't know if I can save my family. I don't know if I want to live any longer. I don't know if I can do this. Jesus proved that the warrior can stand. And if he can stand as a man suffering for your sin and mine, that means I can stand and you can stand with the best of them. Don't you dare quit. What will you miss if you quit? What will you miss if you commit suicide? What you miss if you let it go? What if you miss if you turn your back? What blessing, what victory are you so close to? What will happen in your life if you say, I'm done? And at the heat of the moment, when somebody had to surrender, and it should not have been you, and you did, And what will you miss? I don't want to miss my victory. How about you? I've worked too hard for my reward. And so have you. Thank God for Jesus today. Oh, man, that's good preaching. I got to tell you, that makes me happy. And I get to do it one more time. I could stop now and say, let's go to lunch on me, right? Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. How much time we got here? Good. Let's bring this to a close. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 and 2. I'm going to read verse 3 in a moment. But Paul is talking to the Christians at the church in Corinth. He's reminding them about what the heart of the gospel is. He said, I preach to you the gospel. 
which you received and now you've made your stand. You're living it now. He said it's good news and it's because it's good news, it saved you. And here's what he says in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 3. For what I received, I passed on to you. What I got from the Holy Spirit, what I understand now, I'm writing so you can read it or preaching it at the time. I passed on to you as of first importance. What does that mean? There's a lot of things in life that are important. Your family is important. Your children are important. Your wife, your husband, your friends, right? Your, your pastor, your, your doctor, on and on it goes. Those are very important, no doubt. But this is of first importance. This ranks higher than anything else that you might think is priority in your life. What is of first importance? That Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. Man, that's good news. Why is that so important? Because Romans 10.9 tells us how to be saved. Romans 10.9 says, you declare with your mouth, what? Jesus is Lord, and you believe something in your heart. What do you believe? You believe in your heart that what? God raised him from the dead. You get that? If you can't believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, you can't be saved. It's a requirement to having your sins forgiven. Why is that so important? Because if you can believe God raised Jesus from the dead, you can believe he can do anything in your life. Raised Jesus from the dead. Listen, Jesus wasn't resuscitated. Think about it. He wasn't resuscitated. That happens thousands of times around the world, right? Heart stops at the airport. Get the paddles. Clear. Right? Operating table. Adrenaline in the chest. Boom. Uh, compressions. Whatever it might take. And the, the person comes back to life. Jesus wasn't resuscitated. He died. And he rose again. And he never is going to die again. Wow. That's amazing. When you think about it today, wow. On that Friday, the darkest, most painful day in Jesus' life, but God had other plans. They put him in the grave on Friday, celebrating their victory. But Sunday morning was a whole different story. Ha, ha, ha. The grave could not hold him. Death couldn't contain him. The forces of darkness couldn't stop him. And on that third day, he came out of that grave with that fist pumped up in the air. I was dead. But now I'm alive forevermore. Amen. What does this teach us? Resurrection teaches us that God will always finish what he started. No matter how dark it looks, no matter how long it's been, how many people are trying to tear you down, if you will just believe, God will always take you from your Friday to Sunday. He will always complete what he started in you. Listen, Resurrection Sunday is the perfect day for one dead season to end and another new season to finally begin. Yes. Don't ever make the mistake of letting your one season define your life. Amen. We don't define a life by a season. Yeah. Don't write people off because of their season 
Or I know it might be a terrible season or lasted longer than you expected, and it was terrible by all definition, but never, 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 never write somebody off because of a season. My one bad season doesn't define the rest of my life, and neither does your one bad season determine the rest of your life. Amen. It's not a season that determines our life. It's our destiny. It's what's yet still to come in our lives. On Friday, Jesus died in pain. On Saturday, all hope was gone. But on Sunday, the world will never be the same. Maybe you need a fresh start from your own Friday pain. Maybe you find yourself in a hopeless Saturday. But no matter how difficult the situation is that you're going through, no matter what the sin, the addiction, the abuse, the poor choices, or maybe even just being consumed by the drama of life, because of Jesus, you can begin a new life. It can be a true resurrection Sunday for you. Without the cross, there can be no resurrection. Without death, there, there can never be life. Death is swallowed up in life. Listen very carefully. All our old history ends at the cross, but our new history begins with the resurrection. You need to understand the cross. And when you understand the cross, you understand the resurrection. That the old is now past and the new can become yours. Listen, as I close, who did Jesus come to rescue? Everyone with a heartbeat. Humor me and put your hand on your chest. Come on, some of you aren't doing it. I'm going to come down and sit in your lap. It's beating, right? There's hope for you. I don't see any blue faces or shades of blue in the audience today. There's a lot of you, but it looks like some, some beautiful shades of all the colors of the rainbow here today. Thank God Jesus came for all those with a heartbeat. See, while the cross was a place where the power of death was broken, the empty tomb is a place where new beginnings and second chances become a reality. i got to get this thought into your heart. Listen, you need a resurrection perspective. Yeah? A resurrection perspective. Do you know you're just a perspective away from your breakthrough? Oftentimes, because of a wrong perspective, because of a season that lasted longer than we wanted, or because of a heartache, we have the wrong perspective. Or a negative, cynical mind, we have a negative perspective. We have a wrong perspective. Because we feel like, you know, we're, we're, we're just not good enough. Whatever it might be, or however it creates in our lives, oftentimes a wrong perspective can be the only thing standing in the way of your new season. Perspective is everything. I say, yeah, but Pastor, you don't understand. I'm an addict. Are you dead yet? Come on. Come on. Because dead's worse. I'm not belittling your addiction. But get the point. Oh, Pastor, I'm so hurt and disappointed. Are you dead yet? Pastor, I, I, I've, I've never gone through the worst season of my life. Are you dead yet? I'm going through a divorce. It's so painful. I'm not belittling that pain. But are you dead yet? My past haunts me every day. Are you dead yet? I'm so depressed. Are you dead yet? You might answer, I wish I was. What you need is a resurrection perspective. Here it's found. 
Listen to this in Revelations 1. Jesus speaking. I am the living one. I was dead, but now I'm alive forever and ever. I have authority over death and what's read it and the and the world of the dead. Wow. We have a fascination with the world of the dead. Anything zombies in the movie, we go watch it. Right? We got this fascination with death and darkness and devils and, 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 and otherworldly and the apocalypse and all these crazy things. Isn't that true? Listen very carefully. Because of Jesus, addictions are the world of the dead. The heartache of unfaithfulness is the world of the dead. Hurts, disappointment, disease, the past, divorce, depression, suicidal thoughts. The list goes on and on. It's all the world of the dead. Do you understand that you could be in the middle of the worst addiction of your life, but have a resurrection perspective, and you won't stay there? Or it might be difficult to go through the pain you're going through right now. Again, I'm not belittling your season. I'm not belittling your pain. I'm not suggesting it's not the worst season of your life. But because of Jesus, we can introduce a new perspective, a resurrection perspective. A resurrection perspective is there's always tomorrow. There's a better day tomorrow. There's still hope. There's still an opportunity. There's still forgiveness. There's still restoration. There's still redemption. There's still an opportunity, amen, to start a brand new chapter. Amen. I love 1 Peter 1. We'll end with this. What a God we have. I think you would agree today. Amen. How fortunate we are to have him, this father of our master Jesus. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. And the future starts today. The future starts now. You don't have to start living only after you get to heaven. No. You can start living today on the earth. I'm not saying it's a piece of cake. I'm not saying it's a bed of roses, but oftentimes we sing songs and we want to we want to get someplace else. And when we all get to heaven, you know what a what a joy that's going to be. Absolutely. We know that's true. But why not some pieces of heaven down here on earth? Why not some victories down here on earth? Why not some joys and some rewards down here on earth? Absolutely. Today, if you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, there's no better time to start your road of victory. If you're a seeker and you're seeking a better life and you're trying, you've been trying for years to fill that void inside of your heart and you fill it with drugs and alcohol and women and men and, and opportunities and more money and power, the, the next vacation, the next, the next goal, the, the next raise, the next that, and you find out very quickly that it comes up empty every single time. There's only one thing that fills the hole. It's Jesus. It's eternal life. It's hope in a risen Savior. That's the only thing that can, that can fill the void and start you on a journey of significance in your life. Take a step. Your future starts now. Your old history ends at the cross and your new history begins with the resurrection. Thank God. Listen, He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. Come on, stand to your feet with me this morning. Oh, come on, thank him for a moment. Will you raise those hands if you can? Maybe you're not used to doing that in church, but do it anyways just for a moment. Nobody's looking. Oh, thank you, Father. Come on, thank him for a moment. 
Thank God for new life. Thank God for new beginnings. Thank God you're forgiven. Thank God you're blood-bought. Where would you be without Jesus today? Where would you be if your heart was closed and you did not say yes to Jesus? Where would we be? Oh, my. Probably wouldn't be alive. I sure wouldn't be married. I sure wouldn't have these beautiful children and grandchildren. I wouldn't have all of you. I wouldn't have this amazing privilege of pastoring IFC. But then imagine again what happens if you don't say yes to him. What are you missing out on? Why would Jesus go to this great length? It's not a fairy tale. It's not a Hollywood story. It's not a conspiracy theory. Why would Jesus go through all this trouble and it not be life-changing to receive him as your Lord and Savior. Don't waste his pain. Don't waste his torture and his suffering. Don't waste his gift, the gift of salvation. Accept him as your Lord and Savior. The Bible says we've all sinned. All of us have. We've all come short of his glorious standard. Thank God for Jesus today. As your heads are bowed and as you're thinking about this this morning, you understand something very important. Your heart has a door. There's only one place for that doorknob. It's inside the door. It's not outside. Jesus can't open that door, nor will he ever knock it down. He wants willing children, willing servants. He's waiting for you to open that door and say, come in, Jesus. I've done this by myself far too long. I'm not a good boss. I don't play a good God. It's way above my pay grade. It's about time today to say, you know what? I cry, uncle. I'm done. It's not worked my way. I need you, Jesus. Come into my heart today. There's a prayer we're going to pray in just a moment. It's a simple prayer, but it's the most important prayer you'll ever pray in your entire life if you haven't prayed it already. You say, Pastor, I need Jesus today. I need my sins forgiven. I want to make sure heaven is my home. I want to make sure that my life here on earth has his hand upon it, his blessings upon it. I'm done doing it my way. Pastor, pray for me. I need Jesus today. In a moment, I'm going to ask those of you that say yes to that, you're going to raise your hand in just a moment. Why? I don't want to embarrass you. I'm not asking you to come forward. No, I want you intentionally to say, that's me. I'll man up today. I'll woman up today. I'll recognize a fellow warrior. I'm that same warrior. And if he did all he did up open in public as a man, then the least I can do is say yes to him and not be ashamed to raise my hand say, I want to be included in that kind of life. I'm not asking you to join a church. I'm not asking you to be part of a denomination. I'm not even asking you to be religious. You might not darken the door of a church again for the rest of your life. I hope that's not true. But even if it was, today is the day you start a relationship with Jesus. It's not a religion. Religion stinks. It's all about a relationship with Jesus. Say, Pastor, that's me. You in the room, you joining us online. I want to pray for you. 
If that's you today, you'll say, Pastor, pray for me, please. Will you raise that hand nice and high so I know who you are? Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Lots of hands, thank you, thank you, thank you. All the way in the back, thank you. God bless you, you can put those down over here. Thank you, this side, in the front, thank you, this side, thank you, thank you, wow, thank you. God bless you, thank you. Good for you, ma'am. Thank you, thank you. All the way in the back, thank you. All the way in the back, thank you, sir. Yes, thank you, God bless you. Thank you, young man, right front, front. Good for you. Who else? Yeah, thank you. Anybody else? Raise it up high. That's me. I'm ready. I know it's a personal decision. Nothing to take lightly. I know the rest of my life depends upon it. Anybody else to say, that's me. I'm not leaving here. Do I know that I know? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I see it. Over here, thank you. I see it. Over there, thank you. I see it. Thank you, ushers, for helping me. Wow. That's a lot of miracles taking place. Thank you, ma'am. Wow. There's nothing better from my vantage point to see sincere people raising their hand to say, it's my turn. I want life. I want life. It's my turn now. I am that warrior. I'm not going to give up. I'm not quitting. I'm not letting go. I know life and trouble and my own mind and my own fears are ganging up on me. I can't do this myself. This is real. Anybody else? That's a lot of hands. Yes, thank you. Who else? Yeah, good for you. Love it. Who else? Whew. Man, thank you, Jesus. I'm not trying to delay the service. This is important. Anybody else? All the nations giving their lives to Jesus today. I love it. Pastor Josh will come in just a moment to close the service. So when I'm done praying, the service is not over. So please just remain in your seat just another moment. Let's pray this prayer together. Join us online, please. All of us say this prayer together. Father, in Jesus' name, name. here's my heart. heart. I need you. you. I'm done being my own boss. I need you, Jesus. Jesus. Forgive me for my sin. sin. I denounce my past. I want to live for you. I I declare you as my Lord. I I surrender under your Lordship. Lordship. You be in charge. charge. You're the boss now. now. I receive by faith faith. forgiveness, Forgiveness. salvation, Salvation. eternal life. life. I will never be the same. same. Thank you for loving me. me. That same Spirit spirit. that raised Christ from the dead lives in me now. now. It'll quicken me every day. day. I'll never quit. I'll never stop stop believing. believing. Thank you for Jesus. Jesus. Amen. Amen. Come on, give him praise today. Thanks for listening. To stay connected, find out our service times or how you can get involved, please visit inclfamilychurch.com for more information. Our mission at International Family Church is to help you know God for yourself, to find freedom in your life, to discover your God-given purpose, and help you make a difference in the lives of those around you. One of the easiest ways you can do that is simply by sharing this podcast and connecting with us online. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening.